you the privilege and opportunity to kick off our new series, and it's entitled Taming the Tongue and Healing the Heart for, the, for Dummies. And I think it's appropriate that I'm the first one to speak being a dummy. So, you know, we're going to look at some things over the next four weeks. We're going to look at, at the condition of our hearts and, and the way we use our tongues, and then we're going to compare them uh, and their intent and their actions with that of which Scripture tells us. Now, I'm starting our discussion off over the next few weeks. Today, we're going to talk about heart. So if you, if you take your program, I'd really appreciate that. And uh, we've got some teaching notes in there. I've got a lot of scripture references. Um, they're actually going to be up on the, uh, the screens for us this morning rather than having to flip back and forth. Um, and there's some, some announcements and different things in here. Just, uh, you just need to read those and look through those and make notes of the ones that, that have some pertinent information to you. Um, but take out your teaching notes, and we're going to look at some things today um, that challenge our understanding of heart. My family has a long history of heart disease. My grandfather uh, died of a heart attack at 50. Uh, my father's had a triple bypass. Uh, my great-grandfather also passed away, and, and on my mother's side, we have a, just a long history of heart disease and heart attack. And so about three years ago, you know, I was having kind of some chest pains, some anxiety, not knowing sure what it was. And so I decided I needed to go check this deal out. I needed to, to know what's going on inside. And, you know, I was 30 and change. And, and I was just kind of, you know, I need to figure this out because my dad started taking meds early uh, for his heart condition. Now, one of the processes in, in order to, to check your heart, you have to do what's called a stress test. Now, if any of you have ever had a stress test, they are absolutely not the most fun thing in the entire world, right? Now, they're better than a colonoscopy, I'm sure, but they're not. I mean, they're just not fun, right? So I'm on this treadmill, right, in this little doctor's office, and, and I'm walking faster, and I'm walking faster, and all of a sudden she's asked me about every three minutes, can I go ahead and increase the incline, and can I speed it up? And in my head I'm saying, oh, God, no, I'm going to die, but... Out of my mouth comes, sure, I'm fine. And by the end, I, I'm, I'm literally feeling like I'm running up a hill. And if you've ever seen Lucille Ball, it's, uh, I felt like I was in the scene where her and Ethel are eating the chocolates because they're moving along the treadmill so fast. I thought I was going to die. If I did not have a heart condition before, I was going to have one by the end of that day. I could not breathe. I mean, if you have not noticed, I am not built like a runner. More like a bulldozer, but not a runner, right? Thought I was going to die. Legs start cramping. Chest is pumping. I can't breathe. And then when I'm done with that, you don't get a towel off. You don't get to relax and have a nice time. They grab you off of the treadmill, throw you onto a table that is covered with that paper stuff that, you know, they put on the doctor's office's tables. Now, I have another problem. I tend to sweat like a pig, right? So she pulls me off the thing, throws me down on the, the table. The paper is sticking to my back, lays me down, squirts this jelly stuff all over my chest. I'm half naked, right? Awkward, okay? And, and she's doing this ultrasound on my heart. I'm freaking out. I'm sweating. I can't breathe. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I don't really know what that means. But the coolest thing was, I, she said, hey, look at this. And they had a little monitor over to the side. And I turned my head, and I could see my heart pumping away. I didn't know it could move so fast. 
But she got done and she, you know, did the thing and we, we talked just a little bit and after toweling off, I needed a serious shower, right? So the doctor comes in, reads it, says, everything's absolutely fine. He said, you actually do have a heart. That was great news to my family because there was some conversation about that before we went in, right? <laughs> You're just heartless. I'm like, no, not all the time. But at that moment, I had the rare privilege of being able to see my heart right on that screen. It was absolutely cool. I could see all the different parts working together, the valves, the blood flowing. I could see the whole thing. Most of us can't say we've had the same privilege. Most of us have not had the opportunity to see our hearts. I was fortunate. The doctor said everything looked great, didn't need to worry about it, everything is fine, but he did warn me. He said that, you know, if your heart's not in good shape, it leads to certain death. If you don't take care of your heart, you will what? Die. It's not rocket science. So I, I have a few questions today. You know, we, we don't have the ability to look at our hearts, but we need to begin to ask ourselves the question, what does our heart look like? Is it clogged with buildup? Is it, is it having a hard time pumping the blood through it? Is, it? is it straining up the hill? Are you short of breath? Is it beating to its own tune? Or is it beating to the, uh, the tune of Christ? Do you need a bypass? Sometimes we do. See, if we don't have the right heart to be able to accept Christ or allow Christ to change our lives in order to be more like Him, we will certainly die. And I'm not just talking about the uh, next time I wear a suit at your funeral death, right? I'm talking about eternity of death, an eternal separation of God, a removal from the Spirit of God untouchable to God. Now, I'm going to say something that may shock you. You are not perfect. Just ask the person next to you. Guys, look at your wife. Baby, am I perfect? Women, tell them the truth. Ladies, look at your husband and say, am I perfect? Men lie. Because <laughs> you may be sleeping at my house later, right? I mean, we are not perfect. We mess up constantly. So there are five questions I want us to ask today and to look at. The first one is up on your screen. It's the first one in your, your bulletin notes. Where is my heart in relationship to Christ? Where's my heart in relationship to Christ? Christ came to this earth so that we would have direct contact with God through Him. We no longer have to live under the rules of Jewish law, but Christ came to give us grace, He came to give us freedom, He came to give us love and acceptance, to give us a new covenant that He talks about. If you've ever been in church before today, you've probably heard some of those things, and maybe that's all you know, but there's a lot more to it. See, the truth about Christ is that He takes us just the way we are, completely screwed up. We have a mess in our lives, and He accepts us even in our imperfections. Before Christ came, Jewish law required you, can you imagine this, required you to live a perfect life in order to be close to God. Well, men came along, and, and that was nearly impossible, so they began to make up rules that would make the law easier to live by. The first piece of Scripture this morning is from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, and it says this, And so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their what? 
lips. Oh, by the way, we interact a lot here whenever I'm doing this, so just, you know, keep, okay? All right, all right? You guys are freaking out because I'm sitting here in a suit and tie. This is awesome. You should see the looks on your faces, all right? They honor me with their what? Okay? But their what? Hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. We talk the talk, but oftentimes we don't walk the walk because it becomes so habitual. We get up in the morning, we put on our robe, we go down and fix a cup of coffee, we sit down and read the newspaper, we go back upstairs and go to the restroom, and then we get dressed for work, or maybe we take a shower, and then we get dressed, and we get in our car, and we go, and we do the same thing every day after day after day after day, and it just becomes rote. You can just wake up and... Have you ever woken up and all of a sudden you're sitting at the dining room table reading the paper? Because you just haven't even thought about it. You just automatically get up and make the deal happen. See, Jesus talks about these kinds of people who, who praise Him with their mouths and they don't live that way. They are called hypocrites. See, a hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and then does what? Lives another. Does anybody know anybody like that? If you don't, you're a liar. <laughs> that makes you a hypocrite. <laughs> now, I'm sure there's no hypocrite sitting here this morning. I, let me just say that. I, I should retract that. My bad, right? I could not tell you the number of times I've had somebody come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I, I just can't come to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I've looked at him and I've said, you will fit right in. Just come on and hang out with us because you're one too. Because we're human, we mess up, don't we? And if you don't, then you're like Mary Poppins. You know, she doesn't exist. You're faking yourself and not faking anybody else if you think you're not messing up in life. See, we don't want to live this way. We don't want to honor God with our lips, but allow our hearts to be far from God. See, Jesus is looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, found in Luke, who will worship Him with their whole lives, not just with their hands on Sunday morning. Not just for the hour that you're hanging out on a, on a Sunday morning. My belief is worship is not something we do. It's the way we live. We have to live a lifestyle of worship before God. Now, don't get me wrong. We all have off days, right? Right? We all have off days. And none of us live the way that we should every day. Because we can't. There's only one guy that could. And he paid for our sins over 2,000 years ago because he knew that we can't. There are times when everything that we're doing looks great on the outside, right? I mean, we look great. We're doing things right. We're saying hi to people. Hey, it's good to see you this morning. Awesome to have you here. Woo! And on the inside, we're a mess. We just got done having a fight with our wives before we come to church. Hey, it's awesome seeing you. Great, man. I just hate my wife. I am ticked off at her. Oh, hi. How are you? Welcome to Creekside. Want a bulletin? And inside, we are just wrestling with this anger that we have just got done doing. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. I said, get up! You know, it's true. Stuff happens. And it messes us up. When we 
When we say with a lying smile that everything is great and we're about ready to collapse on the inside, when we say um, don't do something, you know, we're not going to do something, we do it anyway. You know, there's another guy that had that same problem, and it's, his name's Paul. And he writes about it in Romans 7. This is the next piece of Scripture. It says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what? What's wrong? Have you ever experienced that? Man, I knew I should have, but I didn't. Oh, I knew I should not, but I did. Paul writes, I love God's law with all my what? Heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Now, you've never felt that way. And then he asks, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? What's the answer to that? Yeah, that's a good church answer. It is Jesus, and that is the truth. But do we really mean it? I mean, like three of you said, Jesus. I think that might be Jesus. I'm not sure. I'm really kind of confused right now. Guy's in a suit. I mean, we have to ask the question, where is our heart in relationship to Christ? Where is our heart in relationship to that which God desires our heart to be? See, that's a question we could spend weeks talking about that. Because it is something that you need to think long and hard about. As you think about where your heart is in comparison to where God wants your heart to be, my guess is those two things are not the same. So how do we get to that place where we can, we can build and have this kind of relationship with Christ? How can we adjust our hearts to move closer to Christ? The second question is, and this is one of the first things that, that we have to be able to do, the second question I have is, does God's voice matter to me? Now, I didn't put you, because you need to read that and say, does God's voice matter to me? Do I give a holy rip when God speaks? Am I transformed by the voice of God? And if you say with your lips that you're a believer in Jesus, it should. It should matter to you. Now, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here just checking this thing out and you're freaking out because your friend said, dude's not going to wear a suit. He's going to be in jeans and a button-up. And you're freaking out because dude's in a suit. <laughs> maybe you showed up because somebody invited you. Maybe you showed up because the heart of Christ began to move your heart and you decided, you know what, maybe I should just go to church today. No matter where we are, we must be sensitive to and listen to God's voice in our lives. He is speaking to you. Do you realize that? Even whenever it is deathly silent, He speaks. The problem is we don't always listen. And when we do listen, <laughs> we have a tendency to ignore it. In my house, that's called selective hearing. <laughs> hey, can you come help me do the dishes? <laughs> What's that, baby? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'll be right there. Ten minutes later when they're done. <laughs> we all practice selective hearing in our households and with our God. <laughs> Ooh. Is anybody tired? I mean, do you feel like you're carrying heavy burdens? 
Do you feel like a, a, a man or a woman at the end of the rope and, and all you've done is tied a knot in it and you're just hanging on for dear life? Are you frustrated? Are you unemployed? Are you dissatisfied in your marriage or in your job? Do you hate your kids? Do your kids hate you? Well, if so, then, then God's word better matter to us. His voice better matter. Because in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what? I will give you, ooh, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is? The farming community, a yoke is what they would put over the oxen to pull the plow. In Jewish rabbinical terms, because Jesus was a rabbi in the first century world, a rabbi had a yoke, meaning his teaching. And so all the rabbis had a different yoke that they would pass on to the, the students that they were teaching. And sometimes their yoke was hard. Remember I said earlier that you had to live a perfect life under Jewish law. How heavy and burdensome would that become in your life? Jesus says, take my yoke, take my teaching upon you, and let me teach you, he says, because I am humble and gentle at what? Heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my teaching, my way is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. See, the burden we give ourselves ain't so light. The burdens that the world puts on us ain't so light. But the teaching and yoke of Christ is light. It's life transforming. See, Christ came so that we would not have to go about life on our own. A vast majority of, of us try to do this gig all by ourselves, and we are messing it up. If you try and live on your own, you're going to fail. Christ invites us to rely on, rely on Him because He accepts us just the way we are. Tattoos, no tattoos. Piercings, no piercings. Color, no color. It doesn't matter. Completely life full of sin, righteous, pious Pharisee. We'll talk about you in a minute. He accepts us just the way we are. See, God's voice should matter to us. Because in John chapter 10, it says this also. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate, who's the gate? Jesus. Jesus is the gate. Anybody who tries to sneak over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep recognize what? Do we recognize the voice of God whenever He speaks into our lives? Because it says, His sheep will recognize His voice and they will what? Come to Him. If we recognize the voice of God, then we should be moving in a God-honoring direction with our lives. He calls His own sheep by, his, by name and leads them out. But then what? After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him because they know what? His voice. His voice. 
They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know the stranger's what? Voice. See, if you're a believer in Jesus and you're walking along this journey and you're trying to figure this mess out, you need to begin to pay attention to the voice of God. I couldn't tell you how many times I've, preacher, I've never heard the voice of God. Really? Let's just open up to a random, random, okay, Ecclesiastes 12. Light is sweet, how pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, they let them, uh, let them rejoice in every day of life, but let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. If you just said, I've never heard the voice of God, guess what you just did? We just read it on a screen. It doesn't matter if it comes in the form of a screen, form of a text message, form of a blackberry. It doesn't matter. This, this little book that they call the Bible, is the voice of God. It should matter. Another question I have this morning. Am I all about appearance? Hey, it is awesome having you guys this morning. Thanks for being here. Am I all about appearance? Are your lives just a show? The cars we drive, the way we live, our homes, our families. Do we have all of the things that we think we need? And we're showing the world that everything is fine. While on the inside we're dying. We're miserable. We hate our lives. We're frustrated, we're stressed, we're hurting. Are you confident in yourself? Do you look down on others and pretend that you've got all of your stuff together and you've got it all figured out? Especially those of you who call yourselves believers in Jesus and don't think that... I probably shouldn't say that. That whatever you do is right. That your way is the best way. That you kind of look over your glasses at people. <laughs> Silly little boy. See, we try to live right. I mean, we do. We, uh, but typically, things on the outside look okay, and then the inside, we are just a complete mess. See, God wants to deal with our hearts first. This is free. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Talk about the fact that you've got to be transformed in your mind first. You've got to be transformed on the inside first before it begins to live itself out. Jesus also tells us a story in Luke chapter 18, and here it is. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Now again, I'm sure nobody at Creekside does that. Nobody listening to my voice right now has ever judged anybody else and thought themselves to be righteous and never looked down on anybody. I'm sure that that's not true for us. But let's pretend hypothetically it is. Two men went to a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised what? Tax collector. You need to know something about tax collectors. People hated tax collectors. They were liars and cheats. They would shake you down for money. They would pad their own pockets and they would rob you blind. <laughs> Not that that happens today, but that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> right? So the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Can you, can you hear him? I thank you, God that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. 
I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Glory be to Jesus. You ever heard anybody talk like that? I want to see those people go through the drive through in and out. Give me a number one. And a chocolate shake. Glory to be to God. You know who they are? Send me your money. But the tax collector, the guy that was despised, the guy that everybody in the room hated, right? Stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be what? See, the, uh, the Pharisees were the ones that thought that they had all this religious stuff figured out. They followed the rules. They went to church every Sunday. They greeted people at the door. They played in the worship band. You know, their lives were just perfect on the outside and their lives on the inside were a complete mess because, as we read earlier, their mouths were praising God, but their hearts were far from Him. In my reading, they are the only group of people that Jesus said that were going to hell. You brood of vipers, you den of thieves. He never said that about a sinner. He never said that about an adulterer or a tax collector. He never said it about a prostitute, a homosexual, an abortionist, a glutton, an alcoholic. None of those. He only said that about those who thought they knew the deal. Elsewhere, Jesus says, some of you will call me Lord, Lord. But I'm going to look at you and go, mm, you should ring a bell, but I'm not too sure who you are. Sorry. Down button. Boop. It's in there, read it. Not the down button part, I made that up, but <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> Second floor, men's well. I mean, why did you come today? I mean, really, I mean, don't answer that, obviously. No, just think about it. Why did you show up today? Because you felt like you had to? Because you're on the guest services team and oh, it's my day to show up. <laughs> I got to show up. I can make fun of them. They're part of my gig, right? Maybe you're a growth group leader. I got to show up because Blake's keeping tag. I am. <laughs> I mean, did you actually show up today just to show other people that you actually came to church? Or do you have some deep desire to have your life transformed by God? Do you want to just play church? I hate playing church. I hate playing church church. I want to see people's lives transformed because of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I want to see people's lives different because of what God has done in them. I was a chief among sinners, let me tell you. You have no idea the things I've done. Neither does Terry, he wouldn't have hired me. <laughs> you think I'm lying, I ain't. But do we want to really be different? Most of the time, the answer to that is no. If you're honest with yourself, you really don't want to be different because you're very comfortable where you are. 
excuse me, that's my chair. You're sitting in my seat. I'll thank you for moving. Oh, we can't go out there and do that with those people. You see, there was this guy growing up. I, I didn't have a lot of church involvement. I didn't, you know, I didn't start going to church until I was 13 or 14 and then did that for a few years and then went to college and that's a whole other sermon and story in life. But we're going to call this guy Chuck because Chuck would show up. He was an elected official, uh, official in our little town. And I can remember that every four years, I, and this was about twice because I was only there about four years, but Chuck would show up during election time. And Chuck would kiss all the babies and shake all the hands and drop a big old fat check in the offering plate. And then he'd get reelected. And then he wouldn't come back to church until four years later when it was time to shake hands and kiss babies and write a big old fat check and put it in the offering plate. See, Chuck didn't care about having his life transformed by God. He just wanted to show people, hey, I went to church. See, the Gentile in this story opened up his life, this tax collector, he opened up his life like the Pharisee never could. And Christ took him just the way he is. Do you go to church just to say you went? Or do you go expecting God to do something in you? And more importantly, do you go expecting you to do something for God? fourth question I have is, is your heart really His? I mean, is your heart fully His? Now, we can all say, if you're here this morning, you can probably say you've given Him a portion. Because you wouldn't be, uh, you know, maybe you woke up and, hey, I got nothing better to do on Sunday morning. I might as well go to church. God began to move in your life, so you showed up. So a little piece of your heart is now God's. But is it fully His? You have to begin to answer this question truthfully. Is there a part of your life that you are not willing to share with Christ? A hero of mine is Ed Castro. And a couple of weeks ago, he came up and shared that God, he finally, after 30-some years, finally gave God permission to deal with an issue in his life. 30-some years! I'm 37 years old. That's almost as long as I've been alive. He finally gave God permission to deal with things in his life. Some of you don't have 30 years to wait. Some of you don't have another 45 minutes to wait. Because God is ready to deal with you now. He is ready for you to give your life to him immediately. If you're a follower of Jesus, you really need to answer this question truthfully. Is there a part of your life that you're not willing to give Christ? Is there some, is there some closet in your life that you are not ready to open the door to and allow God to mess with? Because you know He's going to come in and throw a bunch of stuff away. He's going to offload a bunch of the mess that you like to carry around because it's convenient. See, this question... Is my heart fully His? It is, in my opinion, more important, one of the most important questions you could ever ask. Other than, would you like to you know, be a follower of Jesus? Yeah, okay, great. Second question is, now you've got to give your whole self to Him. It's more important than, will you marry me? It's more important than, do you want to have kids? It's even more important than, what do you want from Cold Stone ice cream? 
I'm a Cold Stone nut. I love Cold Stone. <laughs> Important question. Is my heart fully His? You got to wrestle with that. You have to really think about giving yourselves over to Jesus because we have this thing called free will and we can choose to allow God in or not. See, if I was God, we wouldn't have choice. And we would abolish suit wearing <laughs> forever. See, I wouldn't give us a choice if I was God. I would say, guess what? I, I made you. I created you to worship and love me. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to worship and love me. Deal with it. God in his infinite wisdom, and he said, you know what? I'm going to let them choose. But if we're able to answer this question, is my heart fully his? If we say, you know what? Not yet, but I'm going to get there. Or if we can say yes, a cool thing happens found in 2 Chronicles 16. It says, the eyes of the Lord... Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose what? Are what? Fully committed to Him. Can you imagine that for just a half a second? The eyes of God search and scour the entire earth for you if you give your life fully to Him. When Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, I'll never turn my back on you. I'll just take you the way you are. I'm pretty sure he had this thought in mind. Because if we submit our lives to Jesus, he will scour the earth for you. You will never be alone again. You'll never be on the outside. See, the best decisions I have ever made, and I think we can all say this, the best decisions you have ever made is because somewhere in that equation, Jesus was a major part of it. Now, how many times have you screwed something up? Like this morning. Most of those decisions, when we make the wrong choice, is because we have chosen to make them on our own. We haven't submitted our lives to God. How many bad decisions have we made that could have been averted if we simply said, Lord God, I'm going to give my life and heart fully to you. Guide me and direct me. I wouldn't have nearly as much gray hair if I'd done that from the beginning. His word also tells us this in Jeremiah chapter 32. He says, I will, bring, I will certainly bring my people back again from all the countries where I will scatter them in my fury. I will bring them back to this very city and let them live in peace and safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them what? One heart and one purpose to worship me forever. For their own good and for the good of all their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me. And they will never leave me. I will find joy doing good for them. And I will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. That's pretty good news to me. 
Sometimes we feel like we've been scattered by God's fury and He's angry at us and He's scattered us away. And this text refers to that and He says, guess what? If you give your lives back to Me, I'm going I'm to create in you a new work. I'm going to give you one heart with one purpose to worship Me forever. He will never stop doing good for us. Now some of you may be saying, you know what? I've tried this God thing before. I've tried that before. It just didn't work out so good for me. I tried to make the right decisions and I tried to submit my life to Jesus and, and, and He just let me down. He just didn't come through in a pinch. He didn't do what I asked Him to do, what I felt like I needed Him to do, so I'm not too sure about this whole God thing. I'm not even sure about this church thing. You know, the last church I went to, the people were jerks. You know, they didn't greet me when I walked in the door. The preacher wore a suit. It was terrible, right? Have you ever had a car that was absolutely terrible? I mean, seriously, raise your hand. Have you ever had a vehicle that you would rather set on fire than get into? <laughs> it's always been a Ford for me, but that's a whole other conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, I said it. I can say it. I'm up here. You're not. <laughs> we got bad gas mileage. It spent more time in the shop than it did any place else. It didn't run the best. Now, did I give up on cars because of that one? Do all of you still drive a vehicle? Most of you, anyway. The vast majority who's eligible to drive. Do you drive a vehicle? Raise your hand if you drive a vehicle. Or if someday you want to drive a vehicle. Just because you've had a crappy car does not mean you give up on cars and you start walking everywhere. Guess what you do? You trade the Ford in and get a Chevy. And then whenever the Chevy stops running, you trade that in and get a Toyota. See, just because we've had a bad experience doesn't mean we give up on cars. I'm a huge Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives fan. I love Food Network. Obviously, I love to cook. Never trust a skinny cook, right? A couple weeks ago, we were in Santa Rosa, and we went to Guy Fieri's restaurant. And I was like, yeah, we finally get to go to, to Guy Fieri's restaurant. And I mean, we're so excited. My family's excited. They all love that. And, and we left there the most disappointed we've probably ever been in a restaurant in our lives. Food was mediocre at best. I ordered this nice pork chop that ended up being about 30 bucks, and I thought, well, I'm going to get a nice chop, and it was not a nice chop. The guy asked me, he goes, so isn't that the best pork chop you've ever had? I look at the guy and go, no, not really. <laughs> you can't imagine I'd say that, right? He goes, so where have you had a better one? I said, outside of my kitchen? I said, this place in Joplin, Missouri, it's called Club 609, and that was about 20 years ago. He's like, really? Yeah, really. Because we had that horrible experience, guess what we're going to do? We're going to try his other restaurant called Tex Wasabi's. We're going to give that a shot. Am I going to stop watching Triple D because his restaurant stunk? No. See, we, we just can't give up because we've had a bad experience. We just can't cash in the chips and take our marbles and go home because we got all hurt at church or because God didn't do what I told God I needed to have done and He let me down. Shut up. <laughs> just shut your mouth. Because He didn't do what you wanted Him to do because it would, it would kill you. It's not what God's best is for. You should shut your mouth, quit complaining, and give your life over fully to Jesus. 
Because more than likely, you said, oh, God, help me with this situation. God's like, I will if. And you're like, oh, no, no, we ain't doing that. I'm going to give you all my heart. No, but just help me out this one time. We begin to barter. That's a whole other conversation. So the final question I have for you today is this. Number five. When I stand before God, what does he see? See, that's a tough question. I don't know that it's any tougher than, you know, where's my heart in relationship to Christ, or does, my, does God's voice matter to me, or am I all about appearance, or is my heart fully His? But when I stand before God, what does He see? 1 Samuel chapter 16 says this. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his what? Appearance. Or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? Man, that sucks, doesn't it? I mean, to, I'm just being honest, that phrase really sucks. Because it'd be a whole lot better if God would just look at everything on the outside and then bless us according to our appearance. But he doesn't. He looks at what's going on inside of our lives. And there are a lot of times that he doesn't necessarily like what he sees, right? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Because I know that, that, that he'll look at me and just does not like some of the stuff that, that he sees inside of me. I may have it all together and, you know, I mean, I mean, I look good, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd look good. But my guess is that, that just looking at me, you would never have guessed that my tie is just frayed and frazzled and, you know, just all cut to shreds. You would have probably never guessed that, right? I mean, can you see that? I mean, this is a good golfing tie. It's got golf clubs on it, for Pete's sake. But you would have never guessed that my tie looked like that because I had it hidden. I mean, I look good in this suit. Take a picture. <laughs> so we don't really understand that, that a lot of times whenever we begin to, to reveal ourselves before God, <laughs> he sees some things that he doesn't really like. I mean, there are some things that that whenever we begin to strip away all the junk that we put on top of us to cover up ourselves, there are times that he looks at us and he sees addiction. And he sees hate and he sees pride and he sees anger and he sees rage and he sees disappointment. And he sees disgust. Because this, this is what we look like. You look like this on the inside of that exterior that you have put on a show for, that you decided to show up for on Sunday morning and look real happy. And, hey, it's awesome seeing you. High five. God bless you. You're awesome. God, I just really, I just really thought about killing myself last night. But I chose to give you one more shot. Hey, it's great seeing you today. I really hate my wife because our, our marriage is going in the tank. I would really... 
I'd just really like to break free from her because I just hate her so much. Hey, it's awesome. Good to see you this morning. Oh, I just, I love my kids only whenever they do what I tell them to do because they're just causing me so much stress. I just wish they'd move out of my house and leave me alone. Hey, awesome. Good to see you. How are you? Oh, I love my job except my boss. I hate that guy. I'd rather stick an ice pick in his head. <laughs> hey, Jim, good to see you this morning. What's up, baby? This is, this is what God sees because this is what's real. See, whenever we reveal our heart to God, see, that this is the truth. This is true. God already knows this. He sees through your jacket. He sees through your ties. He sees through your pious attitudes of, oh, hey, whenever I go to the bathroom, it smells like roses. <laughs> I was going to say when you're, you think your poop don't stink, but I wasn't gonna, I'm not going to say that. Because you're there. Oh, that's great. See, the truth is God already knows this. He already knows this. And yet, we, we mess around and pretend like he can't see it. See, God knows our heart. It has already been revealed to him. And see, God has a greater desire for us. He has a greater desire for you and for me. He desires to see our heart reflect his. This does not reflect the heart of Jesus. This is just the way our hearts look. But whenever we begin to, to take off the mess and the masks, and we really begin to ask God to, to make a difference in our lives, He wants to reveal His heart to you. He wants you to take this off and to, to cast this away and, and just to throw it in the trash because that's what it is. This is the junk that we carry around all the freaking time with us. That we're not allowing God to work in our lives and make a difference. Because we just simply don't care. Because we're too busy. We ain't got the time. Fill in the blank. See, God wants to reveal his heart to us, which provides hope. It provides healing. It provides comfort. It provides peace. It provides life. It provides forgiveness. God's heart provides those things and grace and love. So today, do we want to live our lives as a broken mess or do we want to stand before Jesus and take off all of the stuff that is inhibiting our relationship with God and say, Lord, finally, I'm yours. Allow God to reveal to you what his heart looks like. God knows our heart has been revealed to him. Allow him to reveal to you what he wants your heart to look like. Right where you're at, just bow your heads and let's pray together.